Welcome, welcome, welcome back, everybody, to another Welcome to the J podcast hosted by me, Jahan Smaniga, aka Red Bull. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe to the Field of 68 Media Network, uh, where you have all this beautiful content from a bunch of different hosts representing the alma maters. Uh, I myself obviously have a bunch of content for the Jays, the boys, but you have guys representing a whole bunch of different schools. And if you're into that kind of stuff, make sure to like and subscribe and follow us because we certainly have more content for you in the future. And don't forget that we're also joined with the Locker Room app where I will be making pre-game, post-game uh, commentary on, on everything Blue Jays. Uh, last time was our introductory uh, Locker Room app event. We had a couple of people log on to there. Uh, share some questions and you're able to interact live with the host in that format. So it's a beautiful thing. It's something that we're certainly uh, excited about uh, being partners with. And we hope that you guys all download the Locker Room app in order to uh, play a special role into this event. Today, we have a very, very special guest. He is a Central High School alumni where he owned the school record for 1,518 career points and a school record 41 points in one game. He led Central to three state titles out of his four years in high school. He's a member of two Missouri Valley Tournament Championship teams and two Missouri Valley regular season teams. He has his own movie called The Josh Jones Story. He is the pride of North Omaha, the legend himself, Josh Jones. Welcome to the pod, brother. Welcome to the J, man. Yeah, thanks, man, for having me, man. It's it's good to catch up with you, man, after all these, you know, years of being removed from our, right. uh, you know, playing days. Or my playing days, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> How you been, man? How you living? How you holding up? I've been good, man. Um, For the most part, me, man, I'm, I'm married now. Been married. Yes, sir. Years. Congratulations. You already know. Uh, Tanisha. Uh, we got uh, one son, Genoa. He'll be two in April. Um. You know, aside from that, um, from the um, husband and father life, I'm currently the community center director at the Salvation Army in North Omaha. Um, I, you know, I create my own after school programs, just anything functioning within that building and uh, a part of the community goes through me. I mean, I wear so many, you know, different hats, uh, so many know? different hats. I've been knowing that even when you're a student athlete, you're wearing all these hats. Yeah. You had me involved in a bunch of stuff that you were going on in North Omaha for sure. It was yeah. always a pleasure for me to come back and, yeah. and help out the community in any way that I could. We're definitely going to get into all of that for sure. Yeah. Uh, as the yeah, podcast I just, goes I on. Myself, uh, I think I saw myself up as a, a cultural ambassador and a social entrepreneur. So, you know, cultural that's just the best way to put it. A hundred percent. And, Anybody that knows you, that knows your story, obviously that knows where you're from and what you've done for the community, they would give you that title without even you asking. Social ambassador, <laughs> there is the number one hat that you wear, in my opinion. We're definitely going to get into all of that. Uh, we do have yeah. to talk a little bit about this year's Jays, uh, which I know yeah. that you've been a fan of the program ever since basically you were born. Were yes, a sir. member of the program in your yeah. late teenage to early adult years and now you're back to being in that fan yeah. seat what a roller coaster ride it's been for you to have we talked about the many hats that you wear but the many different hats of fandom yeah. as well as far as being a fan of the Korean Blue Jays how weird has it been to go through these different progressions in your life from being a fan of the Jays before getting recruited to going to your dream school to now all of a sudden you're a fan of the Jays once again um I think it's actually kind of cool man I just sum it up as life 
you know, life is uh, definitely all about different experiences. I think the, the best part for me is me being a part of it from all different angles. I mean, you're talking to a guy who uh, loved playing for, uh, watching Creighton, who had Creighton come speak to his school in fourth grade with Kyle Corver, to uh, getting recruited by Creighton and uh, starting for Creighton, red shirt right. for Creighton, six man for Creighton. <laughs> Every experience <laughs> possible. You know what I'm saying? So with that being said, I just think it's a blessing, man, because, um, you know, whenever I get an opportunity to um, talk to guys like yourself or if I even run in, I mean, I have several conversations with some of the current guys now. Just to give my perspective, man, um, I'm thankful that I'm, you know, a part of it for sure. It's fun. One guy that I particularly want to talk about, which is who is going to share that same kind of experience with you is Sharif Mitchell. Yes, he obviously he's fun, fun fact about Sharif. When I played, hear it. I lived in his house. When? Yeah, I lived in his house uh, my sophomore, junior year. So his dad, mm-hmm. Alvin Mitchell, uh, you know, he's a North Omaha kid. Um, also a legend. Um, mm-hmm. He pretty much uh, uh, went to Burke High School, probably averaged about 24 points a game was blessed to get a, a scholarship to uh, he, he went to um, I want to say he went to um, Cincinnati first. He played at Cincinnati first at, with Bob Huggins. Then he went mm-hmm. uh, back to junior college in Indian Hills. And then he played for UNO. But post that, he was um, childhood friends with my older cousin. And um, he wanted to give me basketball knowledge, so I lived in his house. And that's when Sharif came, like a little cousin, brother, whatever you want to call it to me. Not blood, but uh, definitely family. <laughs> Weird, right? I've been in North. I've been in North O enough to be considered some of those guys' cousins down there. So I certainly understand what you're talking about. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Ever since you brought me to the barbershop that freshman year, people were already claiming me as family. Yeah, so man, I already Sharif, know. Yeah. So Sharif, yeah. So when I played for Creighton, Sharif actually, uh, um, he seen me play. He comes came to the games on my behalf mm-hmm. and um, knew then. I knew he had it. Uh, I didn't know he necessarily would go play for Creighton, but he always had a passion for basketball. Um, and, uh, you know, I watched him play at Burke. My, my younger brother was his teammate. And uh, to see him play now at Creighton and be from North Omaha is what matters the most to me, is a blessing for the simple fact that, um, you know, like he's just another story of hope, man. Um, if I can do it, he can do it. And if he can do it, you can do it. To so all those young kids right. out there who want to go live their dream. And you, you kind of got into it before you, I even had a chance to ask the question. I was going to ask you, you know, how proud of you to see a kid who kind of came up the same way that you came up. Obviously, I didn't know the story about you living yeah, in his sure. in his parents' house, you know, during your sophomore fr- or junior year transition. Yep. Um, but how proud are you of him? Obviously, he's a second year student now. He, he's yep. kind of been through the ringer a little bit. Coach Mack has this saying, when it's January, your freshman year, that you're no longer a freshman. So. Right. He's a vet that the team really relies on. And obviously right. he's been he's been doing his job and he's been putting in work for the Jays. So like how proud are you of you? How proud are you of him uh, seeing his transition? How how much better of a player and as a person that he's gotten so far? I'm very proud for the fact that I see myself in him. Uh not not it's not even about skill package or anything. I'm just talking about like the heart. You know, when I yeah. as a fan, when I watch him play on TV, I see the different series of emotions that he has been going through as a young bull, you know, as a young freshman, 
uh, you know, and the growth that he's transitioning into. And uh, just to see him uh, sustain that, I mean, like, I think he'll be fine. I'm just, I'm, I'm, um, I'm excited for his future. Right. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Coach Mack as well. Uh, you had a chance to play for Coach Altman and Coach Mack. And anytime I have a guest that has had that experience, like I, we, I talked to Ethan a little bit about it, and now I'm talking to you about it too. I, I just love to hear the contrast and different perspectives that yep. guys who have played for both those legendary coaches in Omaha now, yep. um, what the perspective is on, on each individual guy. So what would you say is the major difference between playing for a guy like Coach Allman and playing for a guy like Coach Mack? Um, good question. I think the biggest difference for me was um, – at, see, I think Coach Altman has evolved with culture since he's been in Oregon now, you know, mm -hmm. so uh, not even speaking about um, what he's actually doing now, but the biggest difference between those two uh, great coaches when I had an opportunity to play for him was uh, pretty much um, coaching styles. Coach Altman uh, was more of a, uh, um, every coach has a system, but he's more so of a, it's more so of a system guy to where, you know, he likes things uh, a certain type of way. And if you don't buy into how he's doing it, uh, it just doesn't make sense for him, you know, uh, versus uh, Coach McDermott is more of a player's coach, if you want to say. Um, yeah. He likes to, um, you know, he likes to kind of allow you to gain confidence within yourself and who you are. Uh, that was definitely how it was for me. And uh, even though um, they both um, wanted to take what best um, attribute I have, I had at that time to offer towards their offense, Coach McDermott allowed me more to be myself. Um, you know, um, for instance, 35 second shot clock shots, you know, <laughs> I shoot the ball at the top of the shot clock or, you know, I make, I, you know, I make a mistake. Just Josh being Josh, bro. Uh, Josh being Josh. You know, just swashbuckling, you know. Josh, you Josh. Josh, if you guys, if you guys don't remember it, if you guys don't remember, Josh is the king of having fans go, no, no, yeah. <laughs> For real, it was, man. it was sometimes Aaron shots. We didn't know where they were going to come from. Right. Yes. Um, yes. But they went in for the most part. Hey, I'll, I'll, yeah. say this to, I'll say this to the James fan out, fans out there. If you ever get a chance to go watch us versus Northwestern, there's a specific part of the game when we're timing score, we're up. Grant Gills passed me the ball in the corner. And if you pause it, you see Grant hands go like this. You see Coach Mack hands go like this. And you see the crowd go like this. You see me go like that. Once I hit that man, that might have been the one of the loudest pops in the uh, in the clean. You know, but, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad that you talked about kind of the differences of Coach Almin then and Coach Almin now. I think anybody who watches Oregon or who is a, just a casual fan of college basketball, obviously Oregon, for the last few years, I've been in the top 25 regularly. Right. They've made a couple of deep runs in the tournament. So kudos to Coach Almin and what he's doing out there. I'm glad that you're kind of understanding the difference between the coach that he was then, which is obviously like almost a decade plus ago, right? When right. you were playing under yeah, we him. We laugh about so it. what he is. Yeah, to, to what he is now, which is it's very similar to what Coach Mack is doing. It's a free-flowing, equal opportunity offense. So, obviously, with the times, he's adjusted his uh, playing style. Do you right. sort of kind of wish that yeah. <laughs> that was the same coach that was coaching you yeah. way back then? I will say this, though, man. Um, 
I do wish he was that coach back then because um, I always wanted to show him that I appreciate him by performing. You know, um, I'll tell you two things, you know, two quick things. First of all, if it wasn't for coach Dana Altman believing in me, you wouldn't even know who Josh Jones is in the Creighton University jersey. When I had mm -hmm. open heart surgery back in 2007. I, I love coach that you're Altman, getting into this. You Did you read the scouting report? Because this was on the scouting report. Did you read the scouting report? The first thing I said is heart surgery between junior and senior year of high school. So I get into it, Josh. And this is a story. This is a story that I know. I'm always fascinated with the story. I love it when you tell the story. So you go in, obviously, your junior year, you just won a state championship. In that summer, you realize this is something that you, this is a procedure that you have to have happen. So talk to me about right what you're going so, through. Um, and I'm talking to it from a um, standpoint of coach. Um, so I'm a, uh, I'm going, I'm going into my senior year in high school. I just won back-to-back -back state titles. Uh, two of them against Antoine Young. I got to throw that out. Easy there. money. Easy uh, money. Antoine, come on the Antoine show. Young. Defend yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I ain't going, I, I'm not going to do them like that. But Twan is a great uh -huh. competitor. That's a, that's another time. But, um, so I'm a senior, you know, uh, in high school, 17 years old. Um, I feel like I'm at the top of my game and uh, I end up getting sick. Um, um, found out that I had bacterial endocarditis after I had emergency open heart surgery. And in the midst of that, um, I thought my basketball playing career was over because I was so small, so frail at the time, losing all the weight and having a, you know, having that surgery done on me. I don't know where my mom's in there and we're just talking about uh, just getting out the hospital and um, there's a knock on the door and in walks coach Dana Altman. Mm -hmm. He got coach Darren DeVries with him uh, doing great job over at Drake right now. D-Rock, that's my Killing guy. It. I love him. Killing it. Killing shout it, out D-Rock, shout out Tucker, shout out the whole sure. DeVries family. Yeah, right. Um, so those two walk in. Coach D-Rock is the one who's recruiting me. He just, he still believes in me. So I give him credit too, you know, but coach Altman is a head coach at the end of the day. And so they walk in and, um, you know, Coach Altman uh, tells Coach D-Rock, hey, give uh, Josh's mom, just walk with her down the hallway, just help her blow some steam. Let me spend some time with um, the young fella by myself. We're sitting there and, uh, you know, if you want to say we're shooting the breeze and after um, about 15, 20 minutes, he said, well, I wanted to come in here. You know, he's a bit emotional just to see me in the state I was in. Um, and he says, hey, you made a commitment to us after your junior year in the state tournament. And so we still want to make the commitment to you. Rather you play basketball ever again or not, we're still going to offer you a full ride scholarship to Creighton University. To this day, Coach Altman, if you ever get a chance to see this or anyone who knows who Coach Altman is, thank him for me. And again, I thank you, Coach, because um, – that right there changed my life. You know, um, my dad had just recently passed my sophomore year. You know, I pretty much uh, was uh, the patriarch of my family. My older brother at the time was in and out of trouble. Um, you know, I had two younger brothers, um, you know, and it was my mom. She was widowed and kind of stressed out and depressed. RIP to my mom, she passed in 2018. But uh, for him to offer me that scholarship opportunity instantly changed my life. and. Um, it just motivated me to get up and get out and pursue the game of basketball again. And I actually started uh, that basketball season again on the court. Mm -hmm. uh, one state that same entire year, um, became Central's all-time leading scorer. And um, 
the rest is history, what you've seen at Creighton. So um, thank you, Coach Altman. <laughs> Easy money all around. Coach Altman is definitely one of the guests that I'd like to have on the show at some point. So again, if you're listening to this, Coach Altman, come on the show. You're welcome to the J anytime uh, that you choose to. Uh, I want to talk to you about getting back in shape. You talked about you being frail, losing all the weight, all that stuff. I remember when I first met you during my visit, it was after your freshman year. Um, right. And I saw you, you're a big, strong kid. I, I heard about the stories yeah, I obviously 20. after I came I back. I was, I was yeah. And I, I heard about your personal story after I committed, after I came on campus that, that senior year. It was actually the first time we were in the locker room together. I saw that big old scar on your chest. Talk to me about uh, getting back in shape in between that junior and senior after heart surgery after losing all the weight understanding that you still had to get up like you said get up grind every day be the leader that your team expected you to be um and come out a champion at the end of it all right um okay so when I said I was 220 that was me in high school like I was uh I was that that summer man I was working out hard as I could because I wanted to go play division one basketball to me where I'm from North Omaha um I know it's not the only way but in my eyes, basketball was my way out. And so for me to have that surgery and to have to recover and um, things like that, to be honest with you, what motivated me to play wasn't even my opponent in front of me or my teammates beside me. It was all the things I had riding on my shoulders, my mom, my brothers, you know, having no lights, you know, being cold in the winter, sleeping with nothing but your clothes and your coat and a blanket. And it's colder inside of my house than it is outside because my dad passed. We had two wood burning stoves. My whole entire basketball career, like my fuel came from, uh, you know, you know, my 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 house, my my circumstances of my family. So, um, you know, uh, I just love basketball, and that was my outlet. So uh, it was easy for me to grind it out, even though there are tough moments. I know all athletes to say, man. you know, there's the times where you don't feel like playing. That's natural. But for me, like, I never was going to quit anyway because of what I had riding on my shoulders. And I was the only one to graduate college. You're a ninth guest on this show. Uh, we just had Will Artino as the eighth guest on the show. You guys kind of have a similar history when it comes to having to redshirt and really having to kind of swallow that pride. You know, as a freshman, you want to come in, you want to contribute right away. You really want to oh. st- uh, stamp your print on the program. But Coach Allman comes to you and he basically says, we think that you would really benefit from another year of, of, you know, organized basketball, of getting better, getting bigger, getting stronger, getting more in shape. How tough of a pill was it for you to swallow when he approaches you, when the assistant coaches approach you and say, hey, you're going to have to Richard this year? I'll give you, a, I'll give you an analogy. You know how people who can't swallow pills got to put applesauce and put their pills in applesauce to swallow them? <laughs> That's how tough that was for me, bro, because I'm thinking to myself, man, I I bust my chops. I came all the way back from open heart surgery, led to state and scoring mm-hmm. one state. I'm out here working hard as I can. And a local kid. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a local kid. You don't think I'm good enough mm-hmm. to play? Back then, being so young, I didn't know how to take it because I instantly thought I wasn't good enough. But the thing was, I just I wasn't ready for college basketball. That's the honest truth, man. Like during the year, I learned that like things are things are faster. Everybody's good. Um, this system is not quite fitting the type of player I am. I came from a dribble jive offense at Central High School to this systematic um, 
I'm not going to say half court, but like uh, more uh, slower, uh, slower paced offense. So it was just a big uh, culture shock to me. So, um, but I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciated that time because it matured in me as a young man. It got me time to actually get stronger because I think even if I was ready and I played, I don't think I would have maximized my potential on purpose, you know? So um, the toughest part was adapting to accept that um, I'm not ready, but um, you know me, I'm optimistic. Adversity is the fuel to the fire of my success. So, I mean, yeah. once I recognized I was red shirt, man, I just uh, put the work in in other areas to prepare me for when I did play. That's all I kept thinking about. Like, Ooh, when I, when I, when I do play, <laughs> I'm gonna get everybody. Everybody's yeah. gonna get this work. <laughs> right. And so I I'll I'll conclude, I'll conclude it with this. So yeah. Coach Altman transitions to Oregon. Coach Mack comes mm-hmm. in. Um, you know, my first year with Coach Mack, I was getting adjusted to another system again. And then that's finally we had one game against Oregon at the clink. And right. uh, I had 21 points. And I felt so relieved because I felt like I finally proved to Coach Altman that guy that you bet on, even when he thought he was out himself and you believed in, this is who I evolved to be, you know? So it was amazing. We already talked about kind of like the differences in Altman's coaching style, if you know from then and now, would you say back then he was more like content that he was the orchestrator of the offense and that the guys were shooting the shots that he wanted them to shoot. Whereas Coach Matt kind of came in and brought in this whole different thing where, like, if you felt comfortable shooting the shot, he was never necessarily mad at you. He just wanted it to be the best shot for the offense. Where it didn't matter what he drew up. If we were able to figure out something different and get the shot that uh, was good for the team, he was happy about it. Would you say that is kind of like the main difference between those two at that point in time in their careers? Um, I agree. I think at that point in time, um, definitely. Coach Alvin, you got to think about it. From 1994 all the way up until that point, he was very successful. And when I say mm-hmm. successful, I mean his winning percentages were high, you yeah. know. And so, you know, you don't want to reinvent the wheel when you're at that aspect. But I think by the time uh, the year before he left for Oregon, I remember we were playing against Northern Iowa like yesterday. And they had two bigs. And with the spread offense that he ran, he actually runs it now to a, a lesser degree, but he still runs it. Mm-hmm. Uh that Northern Iowa had their big sit right where Kenny Lawson was supposed to stand to catch the ball. And that's yeah. when I knew that, that everybody had them figured out. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and so like, just, I say that to say that at that point in time that he was just setting to his ways and he was figuring that it w- we weren't being bought in when really basketball to me was evolving. Right. Talk about uh, being the local kid, the hometown hero, you finally get a chance to play. You, <laughs> no, no, you weren't a legend yet. You were, you were working your way up to be to that status. But and talk I, about being the hometown kid and you know suiting up to play your very first game for the Jays. Understanding that your friends, your family, your entire state was behind you, basically. Okay, cool. Um, and first of all, as far as legend, uh, to those who call me that, <laughs> I do appreciate it. Um, I mean, um, I think it, it, it started started as a running joke with our, my, you know, so for the people out here who don't know, uh, they call me a legend because of the story I'm about to tell you about me being a local kid. It's just the love that I get in the city. So anyway, um, I think for me, man, um, being a local kid, uh, if you want to say a hometown hero has been special to me because uh, my mom and dad got to see 
their son be something great. Um, you know, um, like Creighton is like our uh, professional basketball team. And um, for me, it's like so many different aspects. Um, you got the inner city who sees me as that kid who, if you want to say made it out, you know, you got the, uh, the, you know, the people outside of the inner city community who sees me as uh, this homegrown product and has watched me uh, grew up. And then mm-hmm. you just got me myself who just loves Omaha, Nebraska. And so, right. uh, you know, so just the love that I get being a part of it and the things that I'm able to, to, uh, to do now, but a part of that, um, that part of my life when I was growing up playing basketball in the city, I just felt so comfortable like I was in my black backyard playing basketball, man. That's the best way I can describe it. How crazy was it, the reception that you would get, obviously, all around the city? I know, like, personally for myself, when I first got on campus, no matter where I went in the city, if I told people I was a Korean Blue Jay uh, player, you were one of the first things I would ask about, like, off top, like, off rip. So <laughs> uh, I know, obviously, to this day, people recognize you and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of goes to you, your personality, the person that you are. Like, you are a rallying cry for the city, obviously. But talk about like the reception that you still get in the city when you just walk into an establishment. People automatically yeah. recognize you for yeah. you being you. My favorite, my favorite thing to hear is, Josh, man, we need you. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I love that because uh, it makes me feel like people appreciated me when I played. You know? Right. And to me, the way I sum it up, uh, I sum it up as this. Sports didn't built my character and only revealed who I am. And um, mm-hmm. I just think it's crazy for the simple fact that I think people love me, even though I think people love me when I played and love the things that I did as a player, I think they love me more. And so I think the crazy part is just everybody embracing me. Like, I just think it's crazy. A lot of people think they know me, but that's just who I am. <laughs> I want and- to talk about your, obviously you had a bunch of memorable games. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm thinking UAB at home when we were, feet in the mud you came out of nowhere and just I think at some point you hit like 10 points in a row to pull us out of it and then we ended up winning by like 15 or so uh you talk about the game against coach Almeid at I guess it was quest center back then because it my it was, it was my quest. freshman year so it was still quest center I think it was quest. Yeah. uh I remember uh championship game Missouri Valley tournament against Illinois State your junior year my sophomore year uh, to clinch the game, uh, coach sent me out at like 12 minutes left. I didn't even get a tick yeah. left because you were playing so well. There was no reason for me to go back in. That game ends up going to overtime. I think you end up having a transition dunk to really seal the game and cap off our first uh, NCAA appearance in about six years, I believe, at the time yeah. was the last time that the Jays were in the tournament. So you, you've been in so many memorable games. You personally, what is your favorite game that you were a part of, that you played in? Talk to me about that particular game. Okay. Well, first I want to say uh, to the people, I, I've said the word clink. Uh, yeah, CenturyLink Center, Omaha. So, yeah, we uh, – so that's something that me and Jahans used to call it, you know. <laughs> yeah. We call it clink just to be – Yeah. You know, just to be sweet with it. But um, I think the – man, I think uh, the, the most memorable and favorite game that I ever was a part of, man, um, was a game that I wasn't even a part of. I watched oh, Craig. Let's talk about nine it. Threes. Nine threes against Villanova. 
I felt like I was there, man. Like it was you. Uh, it was your hands. It was Doug. To start the game. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. I think I want, uh, man, look, it's certain videos that you just watch when you just bored. Right. For me. So I got to <laughs> give you some love there, bro. That's hey, I'm going to be real. Like, I'm going to tell you the truth, man. I think for me overall, just, just being able to hoop was a blessing to any, like in general. Um, North Carolina was a big one just for the simple fact that like you think about Michael Jordan, you think about the prestige of North Carolina and actually to get an opportunity to even play, regardless that we were lost. Um, yeah. That's probably one of my favorite, just because you you work all your life to fathom going to those schools, but to play against them from yeah. home where you different grew up, vibe, yeah. start, it hit different, bro. So that's probably different my favorite. Vibe. You feel me? <laughs> that's dope. We got to talk about it. We talked about it. Obviously, your surgery that you had to go through in between your junior and senior year of high school. The date, December 6, 2012, yeah. against Nebraska. It's honestly, it's when I think about that day, it, I still can't fathom how I received the news, how I, how I, you know, acted upon receiving the news, having to play a game right after receiving the news. But essentially the story is, and I definitely want to hear from your perspective too. Yeah. Um, we are warming up against Nebraska. I know for you playing against Nebraska, literally, you were one of the first people to tell me, like, whatever games we lose, make sure we don't lose against Nebraska. There you go. <laughs> that is such an important game, not only obviously for you being an Omaha kid, but for our fan base and all that stuff. We never want to lose to the Huskers. Uh, I only lost to them one time out of the four years uh, that we were there. Me too. So this is your senior year. Uh, you had been playing great basketball up until that stretch. We're warming up at the Devaney Center that they're not even in anymore. Um, and you go down during warm-ups where it's essentially during the part where we're supposed to be stretching, you basically lose consciousness and come to a little bit later and you have an understanding that things are just not going right. Talk to me about that experience, uh, how tough it was for you, obviously, and then the panic that it kind of set in not only obviously for yourself but for us as a team and then your your family and, and your loved ones and, and your close friends okay um well first of all you mentioned earlier uab 10 in a row 18 points mm -hmm. total second half that was a game before and um right first i talk about it from a spiritual standpoint i feel like god wanted me to go out with a uh a bang a bang you feel me? <laughs> You know, like, first of all, just because he knew I was done because I had a, some I had yeah. a, a different that wasn't my purpose. It was just a part of uh, who I am. Um, mm -hmm. But that day, man, like I just remember, like, first of all, we warmed up at the Soko Arena. And mm -hmm. uh, I just remember, um, you know, wait, it, such a such a weird day because we never did that. I don't never, think we've ever done it since. I, I know. Bro. But it just so happened to be that old gym was not available. Right. That so-called was right. available and that we weren't obviously going to go to Lincoln the night before, spend the night in the hotel in Lincoln because it's a 45-minute right. drive away. So right. already the day started off foul. Right. Yeah, and, was, and it's another – hey, first of all, uh, on a side note, this is how Coach Mack and Altman are different. We spun the night at Nebraska when Altman was <laughs> – <laughs> 
Yes, we did, fam. What? Yeah, we did. Yep. We did. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I had to throw put some light in there, man. It's oh, I mean, right. I, I I smile about everything that happened to me. Like I wouldn't change nothing. But uh, so yeah, it was weird that day, man, because I just kind of felt I was like, man, I'm just way too hype. I'm getting a lot of people hitting me up in my DMs and calling me saying, Josh, man, you like Omaha's son. Um. You know, we just appreciate everything that you ever done just by being who you are to the city. I've watched you since, you know, stuff like that. Getting those conversations. And um, at the SoCo, I just I just felt like I just couldn't really breathe. Like, anxiety. I thought I thought I was having anxiety and having shortness of breath. I was like, I'm too hyped. I need to chill. Right. So You're playing Nebraska. For you, I know yeah. for you that means so much. I already yeah. know. And I was hooping that year, bro. Mm -hmm. uh, and so for me... Like, I just remember, you know, I never really like some days I'll come in, I'll play, I'll play Sade, smooth operator or something. So, I, you know, I, I put something in to try to bring me down, calm me down. Mm -hmm. And so I listened to Sade the whole way down there and we get in there and I couldn't breathe, but I just thought I was hyped. So I kept psyching myself out. Finally, right. I get on the court. Normally you go first, I go second. But for some reason, I don't know why you let me go first. And I led the warmups. And, uh, and so it was myself. It was you, then it was Doug, and uh, somehow Doug had uh, skipped in front of you because I think you had uh, missed or made a shot and you had to chase after your own rebound, you, you know, yeah. just to get us going. And uh, I did one layup and I took one more jump shot. And next thing I, I know I heard was, hey, Jonesy, quit playing with me like that. And uh, I, I woke up because I obviously uh, fainted on the court. Um, I still thought it was only me just being too amplified and hyped. Um, and uh, I go to, um, I, you know, I go to uh, Coach D-Rock and I say, hey, man, I, I think I need to get some water. I don't know what's wrong with me. And I'm walking, but as I'm walking, man, I can't gather my vision. And next thing I know is I hear cheers. He's a Husker. He's a Husker. Bro, I was walking to the Nebraska locker room. They were happy, like cheering yeah. for me, like making jokes with me. Like, you're going the wrong way, bro. Your locker room is that right. way. I was out of right. this, man. you know, and so, you know, I uh, go the other way. I go sit down and I say to our trainer, uh, Big Mc Ben McNair, who's still there, Creighton, great guy. Um, I say, hey, man, I don't know. I feel like I just passed out. I didn't know or not. And he checks my pulse and he immediately starts scrambling and running. But I'm as calm as I am right now. But he's running mm -hmm. around. And finally, go gets Coach Mac. And then we uh, put on, a, um, if you want to say, the Holter monitor and my um, – my post is going from uh, 98, 100, uh, yeah. 250, 375. What, like, it's just going all over the place, you know? Like, it's just it's fluttering. I had atrial flutter. So yeah. once I heard that news there, I did not understand what it was. I thought it was something to do with my open heart surgery. But right. um, I just don't – I didn't know. I kind of still don't know. It was kind of – I feel like um, – I feel like I was uh, – overworking myself from being a top athlete. You just don't get heart surgery and play basketball. Right. You know? So it caught up to me. And then- uh, let, let alone survive three years, and then this is your senior year, and you're going through Come it again, on. right? Come right. on. But I never asked God <laughs> why. Um, I went to the hospital, and in that moment, the doctor said, hey, um, hate to break the news, but you'll probably uh, won't be able to finish your senior year. 
instantly in that moment, I just thought about my mom and my brothers and just everything riding on me, man. And um, mm -hmm. you knowing me, Jahans, I said, I'm about to go get a second opinion from Omaha. It's Lincoln. Y'all Right. You already know. Yeah. Yeah. So I go. This, this is a Husker doctor. I don't yeah, know this, right. man. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you tripping, cuz. You know? So I go back to the crib, bro. And the next day. Oh, and uh, shout out to uh, Mark Burgers. Uh, yeah. Butch. Come Butch. on the show, Butch. We yeah. love you, man. He gave yeah. me a ride the whole way down. And me and him are contemplating the different uh, scenarios. Uh, mm -hmm. I already knew I was done at that time, bro. Um, personally, I ain't say nothing to nobody. We we knew I was done as a team uh, an entire month before everybody else knew. Uh, but um, I was just more scared about letting the people down. You know, like like I mentioned earlier, though. You know, growing up playing basketball in my backyard, I think about little league basketball, Central High School, and now you know I'm at Creighton University, homegrown, letting down all the people who uh, I would have to tell. I can't pursue basketball anymore. Letting down the people in North Omaha who thought I was going to make it professional, who thought I was going to get a chance to play somewhere. Who knows? NBA overseas? I'm not quite sure. But, um, like, just letting – I felt like I was letting people down. But um, So, I, I, you know, I was scared to break the news. So it was a scary ride. But then that's when, I, like I said, I recognized sports didn't build my character. It only revealed who I always was. And adversity, you know, definitely revealed your character. Two champions are made in the midst of adversity. And you're definitely a true champion. I think everyone in Omaha recognizes that. You saying that at the time, you felt like you were letting people down. I I find that to be absurd. You know, there's no way you can let someone down after everything that you've done, not only for yourself, for your family, but for the community as a whole. I've always said right. you're kind of like that guy where you brought a lot of people together. Like a guy like myself that's from Canada, who was my very first time. You brought me down to the barbershop and it was a wrap. I, I still have the green, the green light to go down to Norfolk whenever I want to, basically because of you. So, man, no, you ain't let nobody down, bro. Trust me. Okay. I will say this though. Obviously, we're going through it as a team at that time. We're not quite sure what's going to happen to you. Uh, we end up beating Nebraska that night. We we dedicate the game to you. We and hope that you're going to come back strong. People thought I got in trouble because you know they, you know, I'm kind of edgy, like I'm myself. So, right. You know, people thought I got I got in trouble. That was crazy. So we dedicate the game to you. We come back the next couple of days. We practice and it's still kind of up in the air. Uh, is Josh going to come back to us? And then we later find out you need another surgery. December 26 comes and you officially announce it. Guys, that was my last game. I think we all kind of saw the writing on the wall, but we all know that you're not a guy that gives up. And then yeah. to hear it from you really kind of uh, put things into perspective for us to, to really appreciate what it is that we're going through and how everything can end at, at any given time. When you had to officially announce it to the Omaha World Herald, to the local news stations, to your community, you know, to everyone that has been so deeply involved into your career, what was that moment like for you? Um, and what did you know about like your future if you could go back into that point in time in your life? Um. Honestly, bro, um, that's, a, that's a really good and deep question. This is when I knew it wasn't about basketball. Ross Jenstrom is with the news. He's a, he's a great news reporter, um, Channel 6. Mm -hmm. I seen him shed a tear as I was crying. 
and I looked over to my mom and I see my mom shed a tear as I was crying. And I looked around just the whole gym, like, and everybody was crying. Like, I just kind of felt like, um, I felt like a sigh of a sense of like relief because I, I felt like I, uh, for a long time, bro, I felt like I was in it by myself. I, I was mm-hmm. up and down because I thought people only care about me as the basketball player, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, because like when you come from where I come from, man, like it's like you feel like they only want you because of your talent. I mean, granted, my talent is what got me the opportunity, man. But like that's when I recognized that I had a family and I recognized the state of Nebraska, the city of Omaha really loved me for who I was. And mm-hmm. um, it was at that point where something literally clicked into me and I felt like my purpose is big. My purpose is people. So I want to find a way to be able to impact people's lives. And, uh, you know, um, you know, allow them to do something that I call live 86, 400. It was at that moment. And at that night where the lifestyle brand that I created live 86, 400, which is a lifestyle brand that helps you live your best life by shaping your vo- your morals and showing you your true value in life came that that came to life you know my motto is you got 86,400 seconds in each day so maximize your potential on purpose it was at that point when I thought about life being way more than day to day you gotta live for the second you know and just because something happens and uh you know three seconds out of your 86,400 seconds in a day end up going the way you don't like or want it to happen you still got to keep living for the rest of the second you know, so right. that's when I value life differently. And that's when I made it my goal and my purpose to serve uh, and bring hope to other people. You keep talking about your purpose, your goals and your purpose. Your purpose was to produce the Josh Jones story that we all got to see live. <laughs> so <laughs> at the, finishing up with that year, it was your senior year. You obviously didn't get to play after you announced um, that your career was going to end at that point in time. You stayed with the team. You still traveled with us. You still showed us support. And your spirit was most definitely felt uh, on the sidelines, giving us instructions like myself. We shared the same position. There's so many times I can remember you pulling me to the side and, and telling me, hey, look at it from this example. Try to do this. Try to do that. So That's honestly, crazy. all that was great. listening, bro. <laughs> hey. Honestly, with as much as you talk, people say when you talk enough, you put your foot in your mouth. You were always that kind of guy. <laughs> but as much as you talk, there are some things that I definitely still remember. Yeah. But I, I digress. Basically, the rest of that season is you, you know, letting us know how you're feeling from the sideline, sharing a song. Yeah. You know, you're still wanting the best from us. Uh, your career officially ends when we end up losing to Duke in that uh, March Madness tournament later on down that year. But prior to going, after we won the NBC tournament and prior to going to the NCAA tournament, you had a movie premiere basically detailing your life story, your background, where you came from. Uh, You invited a bunch of people from the community uh, to the movie theaters to to check it out. Um, What was the overall message that you really wanted to convey out of that movie because from the outside looking in people were just kind of like oh Josh is just you know it's kind of like a narcissistic move I never kind of saw it as that I just kind of saw it as my man's got a message in this and it's up to us to to really decipher what that message is so I want to hear from the horse's mouth what was your message that you wanted to convey you know obviously 
uh, producing that movie and obviously starring in it and having a whole bunch of people who really, really knew you give their perspective on the man that you are and the life that you are living. Life happens regardless, but it's how you respond that determines your outcome. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you just got to keep on living, man. Like, you can't always control what happens in your life, but your management gains your prosperity. So um, for me, you know, that movie just kind of, you know, kind of gave you a background more of how I grew up, where I came from, why I am the way I am. Um, but, um, you know, ultimately just adversity revealing my character. So um, now today is pretty cool. You know, I'm thankful to it. Central High School um, actually teaches an Omaha history class, you know, the Josh Jones story, you know. Uh, That's they, dope. That is so <laughs> fire. Yeah, they, that uh, is so fire, bro. Uh, it's cool, man. It's cool. Um, they allow, you know, just, just, you know, just, um, I guess, uh, from what I was explaining, like I, I um, exemplify what the embodiment of Central High School is, you know, and, um, you know, just, you know, just bring hope to the kids. So uh, life happens regardless, but it's how you respond that determines your outcome. Uh, I definitely want to end it on this. Uh, you just talked about giving back to the kids, giving back to the community. I personally know about a whole bunch of stuff that you've been a part of uh, in order to provide help for the community in which you grew up in. You said you grew up sometimes the, your house, inside the house is cold and outside of the house, having to sleep in sweatpants, sweaters, uh, your winter jacket, your hat, all that stuff. I can certainly attest to that being a, a kid coming from a less, you know, um, I, I wasn't privileged. I came from a less right. privileged background growing up in Canada. Right. So I could certainly kind of relate to your story. What are the kind of things specifically that you've been doing uh, that people kind of to this day can get behind uh, to help out the community, to help out those kids, to kind of give them a hope and let them know that, look, this is temporary. Life continues and you could still become a great man, a great woman, a, a great individual coming out of these less than fortunate backgrounds. Nice. Um, well, check this out. All of you guys that were my teammates, brothers for life, um, had the opportunity to pick and choose if you wanted to keep trying to pursue basketball and play professionally, right? Well, me, since my career was cut short, man, I'm a professional at life. I know how to live life to the fullest and deal with it in ways that other people really wouldn't put effort into uh, unless they went through what I went through or actually um, um, embraced the things that they go through. So. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I'm a community center director at the Salvation Army. I got my own after school program called POW at the Sal. And POW stands for uh, be a professional at life at the Salvation Army. And um, what people can get, get behind with, with that is uh, just coming down. I mean, it's always great to donate money, but um, there's three T's that everybody got. You got time, talents, and treasures. If you don't got the the, the treasures to donate finance and funds. You know, uh, you, you definitely got some type of talent, you know, but you also got 86,400 seconds in a day. So um, mm -hmm. just be a part however you can. We're in North Omaha, 24th and Pratt. You know, I'm down here teaching kids how to be professionals at life, you know, and allow their mentality to uh, change their circumstances versus their circumstances to change their mentality. So mm -hmm. be a pal. You know, help, be a pal, baby. Help, yeah, help these kids be a professional at life. A hundred percent, bro. 
look, we, we chop it up every time we see each other. I know you got so much more news coming down the pipeline. We're certainly going to want you to come back on the show. Yeah. Uh, from all the stuff that we've been talking about, man, there's yeah. some exciting stuff that you're trying to do for Omaha, for the community, for Nebraska yeah. overall. So you're definitely welcome back on the show yeah. whenever. Bro, I love you, dude. Every time we yeah. talk, it's like we never yeah, left. Likewise. Man. It, it yeah, changed, how man. about this, bro? I give him a teaser. Wouldn't it be crazy if we can all just do it one more time again, bro? Wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be insane <laughs> to get the homies back together and, you know, perhaps, I don't know, play some sort of competitive yeah. basketball that matters? Wouldn't it be crazy? Yes, sir. Well, <laughs> I love y'all out there, man. I appreciate everybody. Jay, you know, man. Uh, yeah. Dog. You're my dog, man. I appreciate you having me. Yes, sir, bro. Hey, thank you, everybody, for wel- for joining us one more time on the Welcome to the J podcast hosted by me, Jahans Manica. This was our ninth guest, a very special guest, Josh Jones, a.k.a. The Legend, a.k.a. Five, a.k.a. Live, what, 86400? You already know what it is. Be a pal at Sal, all that good stuff. North Omaha's own, The Legend, Josh Jones himself. Thank you for joining us, Josh. Make sure you guys continue to like and, like and subscribe to the Field of 68 Media Network. Uh, like I said, we have dope content for everybody within the different alma maters. Josh, thank you once again, bro. Love you. We'll stay in touch. Go thank Jays. You.